Hello, and welcome back to Old Sport Podcast. We've recharged and reset in order to discuss a massive week in sport, from the T20 World Cup to World Series drama and much, much more. I'm Hamish Stewart, and joining me through the little black circle are the indomitable Hugo Carson and Ben Rosen. Hugo, one chapter closes and another begins. The netball season is done, but cricket season is just getting underway. How'd you go on the weekend? Uh, yeah, not the best. We got rolled for 50-odd and they chased it one down. And uh, personally, two and bold, and then three drop catches within four balls. So not the best weekend. One of those days. Um, yeah. It's actually why I don't play cricket anymore. But, <laughs> um, good on you for battling through. No one really knows why they still play cricket, but people do, and uh, it still exists somehow. Yeah, don't Good overthink point. it. Um, ben, would you like to take us through some some hopefully more promising results from the last week? Yeah, sport? look, I'd love to, Hamish. And I just flagged that that was a very well-polished introduction off the top from you. It sounded like you'd done it a thousand times before. So credit credit where it's due there. We'll start off with the, the uh, AFLW finals. Week one action. It was a week of finals we had the d's looking the goods over the crows by 21 at home then it was the lions by 17 over the tigers the kangaroos in a nail biter by two over geelong that would have been a very very frustrating loss for cats fans at home watching it and it was the magpies by five over the dogs to round out the first week of finals action there really good week of finals in the tennis uh australia beat Slovakia in the Billie Jean King Cup finals. Uh, we had wins to Storm Sanders and Aya Tomlanovic. They're now uh, going to face off against Belgium in the finals, which is good to see. That's a, a really cool like team format tournament that I caught the highlights of as well. In the golf, um, Tiger Woods, the big news as always in golf, he's returning to the golf course. He's going to play a exhibition match teaming up with Rory McIlroy going up against Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas in a 12 hole golf match. It's not much, but anytime you get a Tiger sighting on course, gets the golfing world pretty excited. And especially this sort of November, December lull in golf, that'll be pretty exciting to see, but that's about all from my neck of the woods. What about you, Hugo? Yeah, major week in U.S. sports, starting with the Major League Baseball. The Houston Astros are World Series champions, best team all season, and they've beaten the the Philadelphia Phillies 4-2 in what ended up being quite a one-sided World Series, despite some very exciting moments throughout the series. In the NBA, the season is well and truly up and running with a few major teams struggling to fire. We've already seen the the sacking of Steve Nash, the Brooklyn Nets, whilst the 76ers and Heat have also struggled in the East, very far behind the Bucks, Cavs and Celtics, who sit atop the Eastern Conference. Meanwhile, in the Western Conference, the Lakers, Warriors and Timberwolves have struggled to start their season, whilst the supposedly tanking Utah Jazz lead the Western Conference ahead of the Suns and Blazers. In the NFL, the Eagles remain the only undefeated side in the NFL, In the AFC, we have the Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, Titans, Jets, Dolphins, and Chargers in playoff positions ahead of the Patriots and Bengals fighting for those last few spots. Whilst in the AFC, the Eagles, Vikings, Seahawks, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Giants, 49ers hold playoff spots whilst the Falcons and Washington football team fight for those last few spots. 
Meanwhile, in the Rugby League World Cup, Australia faced New Zealand in the semi-finals, and England faced Samoa. So a few couple big, uh, a couple big games there, including Australia and New Zealand, two of the favourites for that tournament um, facing in the semi-finals. Hamish, huge week in cricket, the the biggest tournament in the world, the the T Twenty World Cup. What's what's been happening? Biggest tournament in the world is a big shout, Hugo, but we are currently recording as Pakistan appear to be cruising to a more than comfortable victory over New Zealand to book their place in the World Cup final at the MCG on Sunday night. And they will face the winner of England and India. And I know that our dedicated listeners will be listening before then, but we won't want to cast too many aspersions over what will happen in that game, lest we look a little bit silly. But it's bound to be in a pretty incredible occasion on Sunday night at the MCG, um, potentially all the more so if India managed to get through. Now, there's also a bit of soccer that's been going on. The round of 16 draw for the Champions League came out. And I guess the two biggest contests are Liverpool Madrid in a repeat of last year's final and PSG versus Bayern Munich, which is also going to be a really interesting one to watch come early next year. And of course, in the Europa League, we had their draw come out as well. We've got Manchester United facing Barcelona. Hard to believe that that's happening in the Europa League. Um, pretty funny to think about given the uh, the whole Super League stuff that's still getting talked about as we go. And they didn't even, neither team made it through to the, the round of 16 in Europe. In the Premier League, Arsenal maintain their two-point lead at the top of the table. They've kind of affirmed their um, championship credentials. They beat Chelsea away on the weekend. And Southampton sacked their manager, Ralph Hasenhutl, after a pretty long stint, um, which is disappointing for the club, but they've really struggled in the past kind of eight or nine months overall. It's now also, this is really hard to believe, 12 days until the Soccer World Cup. Um, There's still another round of Premier League to play. I think the World Cup starts four days after the Premier League round finishes, which is just ridiculous. It doesn't give the teams any time to train together. They literally fly out to Qatar and then start playing. And this kind of toll that the back-to-back games is going to take has already been shown with Sadie Moon. Sadie Mane ruled out of the World Cup, which is a huge blow for Senegal and really disappointing because he'd been the top 10 players in the world who we're now not going to get to see. But boys, we should start where it's all happening at the moment with the T20 World Cup. Um, Hugo, take it away for us. I guess we'll start with the uh, Australian fallout and potentially to a lesser extent, South Africa. What did you make of the Aussies tournament and where did it go wrong? Um, I just feel like it didn't really know where it was going the whole way. Um, you start with the loss against New Zealand, just didn't seem like we were up for the fight then, and you drop points early, and it's always hard to come back for. I mean, obviously, the Australia-England game, we were, you know, you can say we were robbed of a chance there, but, I mean, the way England had played before the tournament, tournament the way Australia had played before and throughout the tournament, I don't think we were really up to the standard um, might have got away with a win. It's T20 cricket, cricket. who knows? But um, it just never really took off. And then a few interesting selection choices at the end, followed by some interesting performances as well. It just never really feel like it ramped up. And then execution as well was really poor. I'm, I'm interested to see if you guys agree with me there, though. I definitely agree with your take on the first game. I think we just got off on the complete wrong foot, got absolutely carted out the gate, looked totally devoid of confidence and inspiration Um, start with a loss, but also completely decimated our net run rate, which never recovered. And it was ultimately what ended up costing us. And then I agree, like the skates never really got on, never got our momentum. It was obviously stilted by the weather a little bit and not getting that big test in the middle of the group stage against England, I think 
um, was a real dampener. And then right up until the end, like even that last game against Afghanistan, we barely scraped over the line when we needed to win big. Um, I don't think we could consider ourselves unlucky or deserving of a spot in the final four. We looked a fair way off the mark. Yeah, we're the sixth ranked team in the world and we essentially finished sixth, um, you could say fifth, all intents and purposes. And I think that's probably where we deserve to finish. Uh, Yeah, as Ben was saying, the way we played against Afghanistan and Sri Lanka to a lesser extent um, and also against Ireland was just like not particularly convincing cricket. And yeah, I think the other teams had a stronger claim to be in the semi-final. I know New Zealand have been pumped um or it looks like they're going to be pumped in in this game but even so um the way they smashed us in the first game hard to argue we had a a better right than them um we saved our blushes to some extent though by what south africa managed to do hugo they uh <laughs> yes were the, the team to beat in the tournament they got done by pakistan after having them in a really strong situation and then at 10 30 a.m on a saturday morning they had to yeah. go out and beat the netherlands to to get through um did you watch the game i did I was at cricket, funnily enough, um, and genuinely didn't even consider. I think that day we were talking, oh, I would be, love to see a India-Pakistan final, still a chance, but you need South Africa to lose to the Dutch and you don't really consider a chance. The Dutch had far and away been the worst side all tournament. Um, it looked like, well, I think they beat um, Zimbabwe at the end as well, so good finish for the Dutch but up until that stage they had been awful and then um to, to win against South Africa I mean it's amazing I didn't have high hopes for <clears throat> for South Africa going into the tournament but to go I think it was more the fashion in which they went out you know beat India which was huge convincingly as well um and then to go out that way, that's that's a disaster. And um, I think we'll live with the players for a while if they if they care about T20, which is another another thought. <laughs> the South Africa and World Cups really are the gift that keep on giving, <laughs> to be honest. Like it is this bottomless reserve of choking that seems to be going on there. It's quite amusing. Yeah, they keep reaching new heights when it comes to the the choking and i there was a great i don't know if you watched like the read the sorry the cricket australia article went through all the chokes from like 1992 onwards um God. and i mean the worst one from like a purely like mental point of view was against sri lanka at their home one day world cup when the rain was coming and they told them the players the wrong dls calculation mark boucher hits a stick off the second last ball against Murali. And he thought he was told that's the DLS score if you don't get out because the rain was pouring down. They knew it was going to be the last ball. We're through. Anyway, it turns out that was the tie. They needed one more run and they Sri Lanka went through on the tie, which is just so funny. Um, still probably oh, doesn't hold no, a flame no. to, to what happened um, in the 1999 World Cup against Australia when they like dropped the bat and ran themselves out. Um, and yeah. we got through on the tie and Herschel Gibbs dropped the World Cup earlier and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> but even so, this one, the one against New Zealand in 2015, there's just, it is, as Ben said, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, I was going to say, losing to the Netherlands is uh, right up there. Okay, we'll move on with our dot points, Hugo. We've got here the crowds. What have you made of the attendance and the sort of general interest that this has inspired? I mean, in a home World Cup, it's far been... It's far from being Australia's home grounds. Uh, it really is amazing to see the Indian fans turn up. 
So we had 85,000 people plus turn up for India, Zimbabwe, which, I mean, you talk about that a couple of months ago and there's no way that's happening. There's talk I heard from a couple of Indian friends that um, I think 70,000 tickets were sold out before the um, fixture was set. And there was large talk that Zimbabwe would actually be West Indies. So they both, both sides are going through the qualifiers and it looked like um, that would be an India-West Indies game, not an India-Zimbabwe game. But still, to sell out the stadium and for all the fans to show up just shows what the future of cricket is. Um, I don't think it's a good thing for cricket necessarily um, in Australia, that is, because I think it means we're just going to get in India and England every second year. Um, and you might sprinkle in a tour from another side every now and again. But... Um, the fact that Australian fans aren't showing out in force, which is predictable, um, is not a great sign. But it's it's great to see these Indian crowds there, and um, 100%. a lot of the, yeah, like it just makes the atmosphere so much better. Um, I don't think it's a huge surprise about the Australian fans, though. Yeah, not much interest in T Twenty cricket as a whole. I don't I don't know if it's even the T Twenty cricket or just the timing of this World Cup. Like it's still spring yeah. here, you know. It's not summer. We're not in cricket mode yet. We haven't had any um, cricket to warm up. You know, the women's big bash started just before this tournament. There's not a whole lot to kind of pace us and got us all ready for this this tournament. I remember Hugo, you saying a couple of episodes ago, like there's a T Twenty World Cup on in two weeks. Ha ha ha! You wouldn't know, and you're right. Like yeah. you wouldn't know. Um, so I think that's part of it. But also, you know, people have a certain amount of money they're willing to spend on and time in going to see the I cricket. And it's really expensive. And whether going to see Australia play on a Tuesday night, you know, in a game that they're um, not necessarily going to win or um, we're not confident in our own team, you're not going to go pay to see them lose. So anyway, I can understand the crowds, but I hope it's a India-Pakistan final just to see the 100,000 people at the MCG one more time. Yeah, Pakistan's just gone four six as well for those interested in my commentary. So they've sewn this up nine from thirteen needed. Um, last one for you, Hamish, to touch on Glenn Maxwell's comments. Do you want to run us through that controversy? And we will take them out of context and not supply the whole quote <laughs> as that naturally. one. Um, naturally, yeah. So Glenn was interviewed after um, the England win against Sri Lanka, and he was just saying how the um, cycle of cricket is never ending. Um, they have a one day series against England that he said starts next day, not quite, but pretty much. Um, and he said, you know, when you retire, you might have time to look back on these things, but right now it doesn't mean anything. And whether that's a disconnect or a connect with the public, um, I think you'd like to think it does mean something. Um, the fact we're not in a semi final still stings, even though it's, it's T20 cricket. Um, but it's kind of sad to think that a World Cup. That's how it's that quote is impossible coming out of a, a player's mouth, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I've got an interesting thought here that do you think Cricket Australia should push, push test cricket as the future for Australian cricket over T20 cricket? I feel like the interest and growth in cricket recently has come through test cricket and, and people following, you know, the days you know, the, the, the trials and tribulations of test cricket and the Australian public just can't really, there's just something about it that we don't really latch onto as much as other nations. You know, we've seen the success in England and obviously in India, 
do you think maybe the future of cricket in Australia is more test cricket and less T20? I think it's a really interesting discussion point. I, for starters, don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I think that you can promote both forms of cricket. And I also don't really ascribe to the belief that you can take T20 as this introductory form that's quite palatable for fans that are new to the sport and then you can move them into um, test cricket fandom. I I have not observed that happening at all. The two games are so um, vastly separated from one another. Obviously, you've got a bat and a ball, but that's really where the similarities lie. And I think you just need to you know, cater each game and tailor each game to its respective fans and you can simultaneously simultaneously try and push them and market them. But I really don't think that it's an either-or thing. Yeah. I think it's also interesting. So I've got mates who don't love cricket, but they're much more likely to come to a, a test match day than they are to go to a random Big Bash game or a T20 World Cup game. I think there's something about making a day of it and the the history and the culture behind it versus this new T20 thing. I don't know, Hamish, if if you've seen the same thing amongst mates, but it used to be really popular going to the Big Bash and, you know, you just go for an evening and maybe a mate who doesn't love cricket comes along to see some big sixes, but it doesn't really seem the same anymore. Yeah, I think, I think there's a bit of a disconnect between the public and the players to some extent. I don't think we love our national team at no, the moment no no um, no no you look at like <laughs> so pakistan they've got baba and rizwan um shaheen nazim shadab like all these gun t20 players who uh the, the fans just love so much i know they always support their team but these stars india's the same with uh surakuma yadav and virat kohli um and to a lesser extent ashwin um and I think England's the the same again with their power hitters. So I just think, you know, we've got Glenn Maxwell. Um, he's been around for a long time though, and probably is past his peak, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, there's questions over Cummins. We dropped Stark. I don't think the public loves the team for as characters. I don't think they love the way they play their cricket. And I think it's kind of reflected a little bit, not to say they've done anything wrong, but, you know, yeah. we kind of wax and wane when it comes to the connection to the Australian cricket team. Um, usually, peaks around the ashes and then wanes off a bit, but it'll be interesting to see how we're feeling this time next yeah. year with the, the one day world an, cup. 100%. I think it's an important note to make that it's not necessarily that the Australian cricketers need to make themselves marketable. It's just that the way they are right now, isn't necessarily the most interesting um, team that we've had recently. I agree. All right. Moving on last talking point. For the cricket, it's obviously the squad that was announced throughout the week for the West Indies Test Series. No huge surprises. Um, there was a recall, Marcus Harris, back into the fold on the back of some really strong Sheffield Shield form. Um, the same sort of form didn't do the job for Hanscom, who didn't make the squad. What did you guys think of this? No huge surprises? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll read through the squad. Cummins, captain. Smith, vice-captain, um, Boland, Carey, Green, Harris, Hazelwood, Head, Kawaja, Labashane, Lyons, Stark, Warner. So Boland and Harris are the two reserves, you'd think, unless they they pick Scotty B ahead of one of the, the big three New South Wales quicks. Um, yeah, I wasn't surprised. I, I just think the um, Hanscom simply is like, because of the way he plays, will always be 
judged more harshly than someone like a Kawaja or someone who looks really fluent when they're they're batting. And when you watch him play in the shield, he is incredibly fluent. I just think we um he's been really unlucky. He's never had the cash in summer. He's the opposite of Travis Head. Travis Head got summers against the West Indies and Sri Lanka to boost his average up over 40 and get those hundreds. And he got that hundred against New Zealand as well. Um and it meant the selectors stuck with him. So when he the Ashes came round, he was still in the team and had enough credits in the bank to to have a go and he performed when we needed him. Hanscom had India twice and the previous Ashes, which is pretty rough in terms of yeah, introduction to Test cricket. I still think he'll be on the plane to India um next summer. But yeah, I would think he's a better batsman than Marcus Harris. But yeah, I'm sure the Snakes picked Harris forward. for a reason. Yeah, based off his form as well, definitely definitely shows that he's a better batsman in the same side. Um, interesting comments recently in the last week that the selectors have heavily considered Glenn Maxwell for the tour for India. Obviously, it's still a while away. I've got a whole test summer to come, but exciting news for us Maxwell Ball fans. Um, doesn't mean like, anything, though, Hugo. Pardon? Doesn't mean anything. No, doesn't mean anything. But it's just another game of cricket. Love to see him. <laughs> Poor bloke. Do you reckon? Do you reckon this might be very early crow? Do you think this is Nathan Lyons' last Australian summer? Well, how many of these players can you see being back the following year? Good question. Like Warner, Lyon, Kawaja, you know. Smith. Yeah. He's getting no. on. That shocking, shocking take there, Ben. <laughs> how how long do you reckon Smith's got? Four years at least. Uh, I think it's looking really hard for him at the moment. Just like My making thing with runs Smith looks hard. Is that his technique? I don't know a lot's been said of his technique over the years, but he's very reliant on his eye. Yeah. And he's the sort of batsman that if he loses 1% of his eye, it you know, he starts walking across his stump and getting stumps and getting bold. Um I don't know. But probably a year is an early crow, but I don't think you know, it's the iPhone was good. A few uh, a month ago, we were saying it's going. Well, I was saying it's going to be his, uh, back to his best this summer. So I'm I'm hopeful. I'd love to say it. I would love yeah. to say it. I think um I think Nathan's got another summer. Yeah, spinners just keep going. Hey, like, um, I think he's got at least one more summer. It might not be his best, but against a few weaker nations. Um, when I say weaker, South Africa could take a test off us, but against a few weaker nations, um, shouldn't be too much pressure brought onto him. I think. I think we're going to. Um, I'm not looking. Sorry, here to interrupt. I'm not looking no. forward to the the four years of void after Lyon retires, though. That we had oh, on the board. <laughs> they were they were dark days. Well, it's good know. for some caps, though. You get some serious conversation <laughs> when a you know, incumbent spinner retires. Yeah, they'll be crowning um, that 500th cap very soon. I think Todd Murphy has timed his run perfectly. He is, I think, almost guaranteed a test cap at this stage. Even if he doesn't perform that well, he's performed well enough in his young career. They're already saying he's the next best spinner. Like, I think he's young enough, good enough that he will almost get definitely get a test cap in the in the Nathan Lyon void. Maybe Old prediction. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we should move on though. Hugo, the World Series wrapped up throughout the week. <laughs> Started off incredibly exciting. Um, we had the the Phillies take a game off Houston home, then go on to win the thriller. Sorry, not a thrill. They went on to win a really important game and take a 2-1 lead. And then the Astros just went bang, bang, bang and um, won the next three games and did it pretty comfortably in the end. What were your, your major takeaways from the series? Yeah, I think I said 4-2 in the intros. 
four one, wasn't it? Um, no, it's four two. Four two. Oh, it's four two. Um, yeah. I think the Astros were just too good in the end. Um, Phillies had some opportunities and they didn't take it. And then against one of the best sides in baseball, you're not you're not going to miss out. Astros hitting was too good. The uh, Phillies were was solid pitching wise, but just not quite up to the standard. And then the Astros just didn't let up with the pitching. I think um, the two main relievers for the Astros didn't give up a single home run throughout the, I think the playoffs, let alone the World Series, which is just absurd. Um, you know, they only pitch a, a game, but yes, Presley especially. Um, but I think there was the two relievers in the middle innings as well. I can't remember their names, sorry, but they also didn't give up a home run. And and to have that depth and just reliability in the middle there. Um, yeah, even with some schwar bombs there, Phillies uh, <laughs> just couldn't quite answer. The the key game for me was game five. Um, yeah. And it was in Philadelphia because it was a washout. So they played the the game there and it was a really tightly fought game. Um, there was only ever one run in it the whole way. And there were two amazing, like two of the best defensive players you're going to see in baseball to keep the Astros in front. Um, one, an incredible catch up against the wall that yeah. would have been a tying run. And the other was a Schwarber, um, hit down the line that like an incredible stop by the designated batter who hadn't played a defensive innings in the playoffs till that time. Um, Mancini, I think is his name and managed to somehow field the ball, get his foot onto the base and end the innings. And from there, the Astros are always going to be pretty hard to yeah. beat, but they are known as the most hated team in us sport. Oh. Um, you could, you couldn't, the commentators do a pretty good job in baseball of saying pretty neutral, but you could just feel the general, <laughs> the general feeling was, ah, here we go. Is We're it just because they're so Astros good? Win. No, they've cheated. And everyone oh. hates them. Yeah. They got done for stealing signs in the season. They won the world series. So there's no dealing what stealing signs. So like pitching signs they used it's, which is perfectly legal. If the bat batsman, the hitters on like second base, watch the pitcher's sign and like tell the hitters, what they're pitching. So Ben, the, cameras. the pitcher and the catcher communicate before each pitch. Yes. So the catcher knows where he's, what he's going to pitch and where's, where it's going to be. And yeah, go on, Hugo, they use cameras. Well, yeah, often it's the catcher who tells the pitcher what to pitch um, and the pitcher can decide as well, but the tactics often go through the catcher. And so the catcher is telling the pitcher what to pitch. And then the Houston Astros has set up its technology where they had a camera, like it's not that complex at all, but they just set up a camera behind the pitcher in the stands, uh, re- relaying, relaying the feed live to the change rooms. And then someone was literally just hitting a bin with a bat <laughs> once for a fastball, twice for a change of pace or a slider or whatever it is. I'm not sure on the exact amount of hits. Yeah. But basically, it was crazy. There was this article released about it. We can do a whole episode on this. And yeah, yeah. this is but so interesting. There was, <laughs> there was this article released saying there's a chance that the Astros stole signs during the 2017 series. And then Major League Baseball releases all of the games as full replays. So 
you can go back to 2012 or whatever and watch a random game in halfway through the season between the two. Oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. They're all on YouTube. Gotcha. Yeah. And so once this article was released, then fans went and basically watched all the games and found out when exactly they did it, submitted all this evidence to the, to the original article and then prompted an MLB review, which proved they had done it throughout the season. However, there was no evidence that they had done it in the playoffs, but surely if it walks like a duck. Yeah. I think <laughs> most people think that they changed their method or did something different in the playoffs. However, there's no evidence. So, you know, guilty, um, innocent until proven guilty. It's amazing. And then since then, everyone, all those players, most of those players still on the team. One um, in particular, um, God, I'm blanking on his name, Hamish, um, uh, leadoff hitter. Um, oh, Altuve. Yeah, Jose Altuve, one of the most hated players in baseball. Um, there's a lot of rumors <laughs> about him cheating with a vibrating watch or oh. a new piece or something. Um, Sounds like the chest. Oh, I was going to say, it's not quite as good <laughs> as, as Joy Beads in chess. But it's, it's right up there. Not right up there in that sense, but like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, there's... There's hundreds of videos out there. So if you're interested on the, the cheating scandal, it's one of the, like you don't see too much about this like high level cheating in professional sports nowadays, but it's there um, and won the World Series that year. So it's pretty significant. Yeah. It makes sandpaper game look like child's play. If that's like yeah. a fully orchestrated um, tactic, that's insane. It does. And also, baseball's like doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Baseball's one of these sports where like, it's basically all, a, a whole lot of batting is premeditation because they throw the ball so fast. They all talk about just like sitting on a fastball or sitting on a changeup or whatever. Um, you're just backing yourself that that's what they're going to throw next. And if you know what they're going to throw next, your chances of effectively hitting the ball increase so much. It's not it's not like cricket where you just kind of react to the ball. It's so hard to to get any contact that you have to be waiting for a specific pitch. So it gives you such an advantage. Anyway, congrats to the Astros. Congrats to um, Dusty Baker, his first oh, World yeah, Series. Great story. Justin Verlander as well finally gets his World Series. He's been the best pitcher in modern history of baseball. So um, anyway, there's, there's some good stories in there, um, but it's hard not to, to feel sorry for the Phillies who were the, um, the underdog story the whole way through the playoffs. But as they say, that's baseball. Um, All right, boys, should we move on to the moment of the week? Let's do it. We've got some some good ones reading through here. I've got a funny one. A couple of years ago, the PGA Tour instituted a player impact program to try and incentivize the uh, players themselves to grow the game and, and grow the PGA Tour. Works so well that there's now a break-off tour. Uh, but for the second year in a row, Tiger Woods has won the player impact program, which may not sound like a huge surprise if you're a pretty casual golf fan, but if you add in the context that Tiger Woods hasn't actually played a PGA tour event (laughs) in those two years, he played three of the four majors this year, which are PGA tour affiliated, but I'm just talking about your rank and file weekend PGA tour event. Tiger Woods has played zero in the past two years and yet has won the player impact program the last two times. So it tells you a few things, obviously, you know, it tells you nothing new about how much of an influence in the world of, 
golf he is. Uh, it tells you how devoid of any other interesting personalities the PGA Tour is at the moment. Uh, and I also have no idea what criteria they're using to judge this. I just found it mildly amusing. That's why Federer should never have retired. He should have just ongoingly been like, oh, I'm not sure when I'll come back. Maybe I'll come back. He could have stacked up his uh, his players' awards, I reckon, for, for sure. Impact for sure. <laughs> but it's, I, I can't I can't think of another sportsman who could have that. Ability. No, because like just... it, LeBron's a star, but if LeBron just sat a season, no, he's he's no way he's like the most um, you know recognizable NBA player that year. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Good pick up, Ben. Um, my moment of the week was just the the cup sets, the all the upsets in the World Cup by the small little nations. We don't call them minnows anymore. A lot of them are full na- full member nations now. Ireland beat England. Zimbabwe beat Pakistan. Potential for both those teams to be in the final. Um, and the Netherlands beat South Africa, of course, as well. We had Namibia beat Sri Lanka as the first game of the tournament, which set the tone. I just uh, I really enjoyed seeing that. I know when we spoke to Ed before, we didn't give a whole lot of uh, credence or chance to the the lesser cricketing nations but i think they've shown that like t20 cricket for these teams is everything a bit of investment um a lot of these players now are, are pros you know they're playing in the hundred or county cricket or in the the cpl or whatever it is um you know we see half the irish team now a lot of the netherlands team have prior experience and it makes it really competitive yeah you're probably not going to want like an extended series against them i think in one day cricket it'll still be a challenge for them but i think it shows that there is definitely room to have like a a slightly expanded t20 world cup um and give these teams a chance to grow because like the impact that has on their cricketing teams is is absolutely massive um and the great thing for the netherlands beating south africa is they automatically qualify for the next world cup the top four teams in each group do so don't worry, boys. Australia's through. We yes. didn't, didn't fear. Um, bad news for Zimbabwe, though. So they have to go the, the hard way now. Um, but yeah, good for good for the Netherlands. Um, on two notes there, the USA automatically qualify for the next World Cup because there's a couple games in the USA. It's going to be so funny. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So where, in, where is it? In West Indies and USA. That's awesome. Get to Florida, yeah. Ben. We'll go to Miami. We'll watch. You bet. 100%. Okay. <laughs> That's the um, only thing that could get me to Florida. So <laughs> I'll be there. Cricket. Yeah, the sorry. I'm just going to Florida for the cricket. I'll be back in a couple <laughs> of weeks. <laughs> what? The play? Bangladesh, Zimbabwe. You know, I can't miss it. <laughs> um, oh. The other note is that um, Netherlands, and rightly so, I think, have said that there's no reason why Australia shouldn't have warm-up games before the Ashes in Netherlands. Surely Australian players would love to have a tour there. When was the last time, if ever, an Australian team toured Netherlands? It's a beautiful country, play somewhere different, have a couple of warm-up games there and then go to the Ashes or, you know, anywhere else. But The Dirk Nannis um, Cup. Yeah, exactly. Tom Cooper it's, Cup. If you're going over to the UK, there's no reason why you can't at least Ireland or Scotland, you know, play, play a tournament in Netherlands, get some big players there. I think it's a great idea. I like it. The Max O'Dowd cup. Just going to keep yeah. on naming. Let's, let's stop. <laughs> Australian, <laughs> Holland people. Tom um, Cooper, Hugo. isn't he playing the Dutch? Yeah. Yeah. We did yeah. coops. Yeah. Um, all right. My, uh, sorry, my moment of the week, not quite there yet. Um, is the release of a lot of the world cup squads, including some, some great pictures out of the Brazil, um, World Cup, including um, Danny Alves, questionably included in the Brazil squad despite struggling. I think he's playing in the Mexican League right now um, and struggling to make the first team there. Um, 
But the release of the Australian squad, very exciting for a, a few young Australians and a few older Australians as well. Um, a few uh, big names left out. Mitch Lang- Langerak is the big one there. He was um, undoubtedly Australia's second best um, keeper, supposedly, and playing big minutes could have challenged Matt Ryan, considering Matt Ryan's barely been playing recently. Um, but, yeah, he was left out. and Tom Rogic. Yeah, Tom Rogic yeah. as well. Sainsbury as well, who was training with uh, Melbourne City leading up to the World Cup so he could get some practice in. But um, it looks like Graham Arnold's gone for for playtime over skill, which is fair enough in some aspects, but also um, surely your good players are just going to come good and you want experience in the World Cup. So good luck to the Aussies uh, and every every single player going to the World Cup. We'll um, do a full World Cup preview next week but the only way we challenge france and denmark is to hope for a heat wave and a sandstorm to hit qatar <laughs> suddenly just, hit 35 fair, degrees not that unlikely no. no no and then just run them off their feet because um you know the danes will sweat if it gets above 15 and the, the french are, are known for not wanting to work particularly hard apart from Kante. So that's the only way we can stand a chance of being competitive, I think. So anyway, get your your we could be sand we dance. Could be the worst side. Do your sand dance. We could be the worst side in this World Cup. I think Oh Hugo, don't be so negative. I'm glad Ben's gonna be a bit more positive later. At least I hope he will. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, um, I wonder what Hugo's gonna say about my hidden um fan moment this week comes from Jeremy, who went to uh, Gerard Piquet's last game at Camp Nou um, earlier this week, Barcelona won 2 0. He's been a, a warrior and an icon for the team. He has struggled this year with form and, and injury to a lesser extent, but I think he's called time at a good time. Um, and funnily enough, he went and played his last game, which is away. Uh, he didn't even come on, he was on the oh. bench, got red carded, so he didn't get to come on on his last game. Thanks to Jeremy for sending that one in. I think it's time, boys. Um, What's the time? I think we're just about there. Sorry, Hugo. What's the time? Ben? (laughs) 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 This is why we have to do this every week. We lose continuity. (laughs) I thought you were going to roll in. um, I thought you were going to roll in a beautiful segue when you were talking about picking the right time for retirement, but an opportunity yeah. was missed there. Tash, Maybe it should be ours. Creative <laughs> editing. Well, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how you edit this. Anyway, it is time for Australia, New Zealand, and Senegal's favourite spod- pod- sport podcasting segment, <laughs> spodcasting segment, hit or miss. <laughs> <laughs> on that note spodcast um, is actually quite a good name for a podcast <laughs> it's a verb we're spodcasting <laughs> i hate that yeah it's, um, a lot to hate. speaking of hating um no uh, cricket australia should slash the amount of t20s each summer is my hit or miss this comes off the back of tim payne's comments you can read some of it out basically he just says that there's a lot of unnecessary cricket going on, a lot of unnecessary T20. He wants to see franchise cricket year round, 
play the World Cups in between. Um, he says we played way too many meaningless T20 cricket games. We've seen warm-up games and other series. No one wants to watch it. You're getting small crowds to big venues, and it just looks bad when you get the big bash and everyone has seen enough T20. So that's waning as well. Hit or miss, boys? It's a hit for me in certain regards. I think that you could probably ban international T20s. Um, well, not bad. Sorry, you could certainly you could heavily reduce international T20s. Bans a bit, a bit far. Yeah, very similar to the the soccer rotation. I think the issue with year round franchise T20 is that there are other things in the game of cricket that also need to be prioritized, like test matches. Um, so I just think a, a significant reduction in the number of international T20s would go a long way. Um, I think it's a miss for me. I just think if you don't play any national T20s, how are you supposed to know what your best like team looks like before a World Cup? I don't think they should play as many as they do, but I still think like a white ball series, um, a few one day as a few T20s is not a bad part of each summer. Um, I don't think you need as much as they have, maybe five games in total, um, whether that's at the start or the end. But I think we've had a couple of World Cups, a couple of years to the next one now, and then four, every four years after that, uh, we probably will actually crave a little bit of Australian T20 stuff. It's just a bit of hit and giggle, you know. I don't think that stopping playing the international stuff is going to improve the Big Bash. I think they're separate issues, um, but I think it's more about fitting the the test cricket in. So I agree with Ben on that one. Um, I'm pretty sure they're doing T20 World Cups every two years. Um, oh, are they? Into the future, yeah. So ICC is really pushing it and they're there. So there's the... T20 World Cup, they're doing the world, the ODI World Cup every four years. And then there's another like, Champions Trophy or something they're sneaking in as well. Um, there's a big fixture for it all. I think our next tournament is an ODI World Cup in 10 years or, or something more. So I think when that comes around, there'll be a real appetite for it. Um, but yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm hesitant to say it should be a dramatic decrease in the T20s. I think spread them out, give them to different cities, give two to Hobart if you want. Um, you know, well, I just mean, you know, why the There's start? your allowance, Hobart. <laughs> well, I forget think, an yeah, AFL team. Very Have these crumbs. <laughs> I was very vocal on them getting a test squad. I just think like a test match that was. Um, I think if you're going to have it, you don't want them at the MCG for Australia, Zimbabwe or something. Um, it just makes it seem so much worse standard, I think. Um not that I don't want Australia playing Zimbabwe as well. I I, I think you get my my drift though. Um, yeah, the, I know what you mean. The yeah. crowds are important. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, lead it this way. <laughs> well, it's a it's a similar one, which I thought was a we might actually make a segue here. Um, mine's very simple. T twenty cricket is better than one day cricket. Hit or miss. It's a hit for me. I'm feeling very agreeable today. I think. The, the main reason for me is that all the pros that ODI has in the sense it's exciting white ball cricket uh, doesn't have to necessarily be played during the day, uh, uh, more accessible, all that can be said of T20 cricket, but a lot of the pros of T20 cricket cannot be said of one days. And particularly the biggest issue for one days is always that sort of 10 overs in the middle of an innings where they're just nudging it around at a runner ball 
it's very challenging to watch. The start of an innings is interesting. The end of an innings is interesting. And the run chase is usually pretty good. But there's a lot of just sort of plodding along, treading water that goes on in an ODI that you don't get in a T20. So I think for that reason, T20s are better. I It's a tricky one for me. I think it's a miss just because I think the ODI World Cup will and should remain the pinnacle of cricket. I think the ODI World Cup will decide the best cricket team in that period. I think T20 World Cup, you're so much more likely to get like a game against the Netherlands that South Africa loses and misses the World Cup. They could have won the World Cup finally. You know, Pakistan narrowly loses to India. Still going to get those close finishes in the ODI, but more than likely you're going to get the best sides winning. And I think you still, the fact that you still get the excitement um, and you still have that challenge, I think, you know, bilateral, trilateral series of ODI cricket are um, dead, gone with the dodo. Like you'll get a couple, but... Um... <laughs> gone with the dodo is a good, <laughs> good name. <laughs> um, but I think the ODI World Cup will still have that. And if they keep it every four years, it'll be more significant. Um, I think the test world test championship is, is better. And I think that, you know, ODI has that weird, when I say the world test championship is better, it's better than what it was, which was just a a world ranking system. Um, I think ODIs are a bit in between where you've got the excitement of T20, but a challenge, but not quite as much as a test, but you're never really going to get a, like a, a test world cup feel, um, which you do in the ODI World Cup. So, yeah. Yeah, good answer. Um, I, 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 I don't know if you can really hit or miss this one. Uh, so it's a bit of a <laughs> cop out. But for me, they just serve different purposes. So, like, I enjoy one-day cricket as, like, something that's on yeah. whilst I go about my day in summer. And I'm usually not doing a whole lot. But, like, whether it's, like you know, you go and play tennis or have a swim or whatever. You come back, you see like where the games progress to. Sorry, am I boring you both? It's you both little massive yawns. I can assure you it wasn't you. <laughs> I agree. That was, that was incredible. Um, but I think, um, yeah, le- when I enjoy ODI cricket is when it's the only thing that's going on. I don't want any players being rested for any other tests from either teams. I want that to be the pure focus of both teams at the time. And that doesn't happen anymore, apart from the one day World Only Cup, in the which World is Cup. Why, yeah. Which is why I struggle with it these days, I think. Yeah. I will just add, I, I actually agree with you, Hugo. I didn't think it was within the terms of reference of the question, but I think that the, <laughs> the ODI World Cup is should still be the, the pinnacle event. I think that T20 will never be that significant. I've got one. I actually prefaced the wrong hit or miss before, but this is a juicy one. This will will wake everyone up. I am saying that Australia made the wrong decision sacking JL. Yes. Coach. I think there's a, there's a significant enough body of evidence now to support that conclusion. Hit or miss. Yeah. Miss. Nah, miss, miss, miss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think once you lose the players, then it's hard to recover from that. Um, which it was clear that he had and um, performances regardless. It, I mean, we haven't really had a proper test. You know, we, I think, did we win the series in Pakistan? God, who could No yeah. idea. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> we, One did, nil. we won the series in Pakistan, which is, 
I think and Sri Lanka. Uh, yeah, and Sri Lanka. So I don't know what else you can you can go off. Um, uh, I think we were all vocal that there should have been probably a different coach in the in the limited overs, which is another hit or miss. But I, if they hadn't sacked JL, they weren't going to do a separate coach either. And I don't think you know Australia is doing any better with JL at the helm. Probably worse. You lose the players, especially it seemed like some of the limit overs, like a bit of a JL wasn't too keen on some of the the T20 boys, um, apparently. So, yeah, miss for me. Um, I think it's a miss. I think, I don't know if it's quite as clear cut. I think, uh, yeah, they couldn't keep JL on if they were going to keep Cummins as captain and the same senior players around. But he did win the T20 World Cup and then he won the Ashes. Um, and we've just not made the semifinals of the T20 World Cup at home. I don't think we would have done any better with JL in charge. I think we performed to our um, abilities and probably where I expected us to be as well. But having said that, um, yeah, I think it, it the, the different way I'd look at it is was appointing Andrew McDonald, like you guys said, as the coach of all three, the way to go. I think Matthew Mott's an interesting one. Now coaching England, he used to coach yeah. the Australian women's team. He was sitting there waiting for a job. So interesting that he didn't ever even come into the thinking for a potential white ball role with the men's team after his success with the women's team. Very interesting. Uh, I agree with both of you. I actually think that our win in the T20 World Cup last year just sort of stands out as this strange anomaly. Yeah, the, the overall one. white ball form of this team over the last three or four years. Yeah, I just don't, I, uh, yeah, it was a lot of it was the the toss. A few players found form at the right time. Uh, but yeah, anyway, for what it's worth. Then we didn't have to play India or England in a knockout. Yeah. <laughs> we lost England in the, the yeah. group as well. <laughs> All right. I think we'll move on now to everyone's second favorite segment on this day for this week. And this is on the day that we're recording the podcast, which is the 9th of November in 1857. So going back a long way, another chess one. We, we love the old chess on this day. This is the first American chess Congress is won by Paul Morphy or Murphy, M-O-R-P-H-Y for those interested uh, he beat Louis Paulson 6-2 for a tournament record, 14 wins, three draws, and one loss. Pretty handy. Um, boys, did you catch this one live, Hamish? Uh, I, I missed it, but... No, I watched the, the full match replay on YouTube. Chess is great, <laughs> like the MLB. They just upload them up. Um, yeah, Paul just knows what to do with a rook, so um, what can you say? <laughs> do, you reckon, do you reckon, so Paul Morphy won, Louis Paulson lost. Do you reckon... He's the, the son. He's Paul's son. Oh, God. Oh, I did not. <laughs> I was trying to work out where you're going there. Yeah, well done. It's <laughs> kind of all I've got to add to this one, unfortunately. <laughs> I've got to, that's far more than I've got to add. Um, all right, let's move on to the future then. Uh, it's some upcoming events, starting with the cricket. We've obviously got the other semi-final taking place tomorrow. Um, that is India, England, a huge one in Adelaide. I predict uh, that the winner will win the World Cup there. Um, and then we've got the final Sunday evening at the MCG, hopefully 90,085 plus, regardless of whether India are in or not. It'll be interesting to see how 
corporate the crowd is. It's talk a lot of the tickets were sold out um, before the match really was set. Um, so whether there's a lot of corporate tickets like the AFL grand final or not, we'll see. Hopefully there's a good crowd. Um, elsewhere in the US, we've got the NBA continuing. Uh, after this podcast will have aired, we've had a full day of NBA action. That's, I think, 13 games, all 26 teams competing on the same day. The NBA staggered the start times as well. So park yourself in front of your TV, or you will have already done this, um, <laughs> to catch up for the day missed with the election. Um, so pretty exciting, good stuff from the NBA. It's something they haven't done before and a lot of other leagues have. Um, talk of the AFL doing something similar soon um, and we'll see. Hamish, a few games before the World Cup somehow. Yeah, one last round of the Premier League. Not actually particularly exciting fixtures apart from Newcastle versus Chelsea. Newcastle sitting third on the table at Oil Money doing them the world of good at the moment compared to where they were last year. Um, Chelsea, much like some of the other big teams in Manchester United and Liverpool, just struggling to find their feet a little bit at the moment. Still got the the new manager change happening. So big game for, for both teams. But I think everyone's eyes are slightly set on the World Cup. So be really interesting to see, you know, if the players are going full at it or if they're worried about injury or what's going on. You've also got Chelsea, Man City in the League Cup tomorrow morning as well. Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to mention the League Cup. That'll be interesting actually <laughs> to see what teams are picked for the, the league cup because yeah, I can't imagine many players will be putting their hands up to play those fixtures. Yeah. Those are uh, those petrol, petro dollars go a long way. It's hard to imagine that there's a soccer world cup just on the horizon, like as a, a pretty, I'd say middle of the row uh, soccer fan. It's hasn't really been on my, on my register at all, but anyway, interesting to see in the uh, in the tennis. Up. Yeah, Sorry. yes, no, I, I agree, and it certainly yeah. it certainly will. Um, and obviously, being a cricket fan, obviously, yeah. focuses <laughs> elsewhere at the moment. Um, in the tennis, as I said, we got the Billie Jean King Cup going on. Australia have a big showdown against Belgium over the next couple of days, so stay tuned to that. And in the AFLWs, it's semi-final time, so we've got the Tigers uh, at north or so tigers against north home game for the tigers and we've got the crows against the pies so that should be two pretty good matchups there uh and the other thing i flagged just before was that tiger woods match coming to us still a little bit away 12th of december but all eyes in the golf world will be on that one excellent i think we should wrap up with some bold predictions for the the week ahead or the the coming days we won't go two years ahead like you did last time but i'm still remembering <laughs> that one um and yeah, just a warning you guys might want to brush up on your australian bilateral series because i'm going to ask you next week how we went so yeah probably <laughs> just check in um i'm done studying but, mate <laughs> forget that. um my bold prediction is that the summer has or will peak in spring i think this sunday's t20 world cup final will be the the highlight of the men's cricketing summer i'd don't think we're going to reach the same heights again. In fact, I think we probably reached it, India versus Pakistan. So interesting scheduling. I think it might be a bit of a, a boring summer ahead. Not sure about subjective bold predictions. Very tough to, <laughs> to hold any strict accountability there. But anyway, we'll, we'll try something. We'll think of something. Mm. I've got one that very, very strict accountability will be held here. Because I'm saying that Australia's soccer team will do what the men's cricket team could not, and that is get out of the group stages in the upcoming World Cup. 
could be if, a hit or miss, but if that happens, Ben, I will let you write an intro and I will read whatever you say. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is absolute bet. That is an absolute bet. So confident we are no chance that that's how far I'm gonna go. But no, optimistic. That's I amazing. would love to do that. So yeah. I'll start I'll start drafting now. Um, my bold prediction is that the Cleveland Cavaliers will win the Eastern Conference. Hugo, okay, that's all right. I, I guess it's in the next year. <laughs> you were so close. You were so close. Just losing it. And that's oh. also an absurd bold prediction. So you can keep me keep me to that one as well, Hamish. Not that absurd. Don't They're Mitchell's. second right now, but they're second right now. They're looking the Bucks good. are playing unbelievable basketball. I think the Bucks should be favourites for the the um the NBA. But I've just predicted that they won't win their own conference. So there you go. <laughs> Jeez, got a good lens on that telescope. Does Hugo Carson? <laughs> Those bold predictions are getting further and further away. <laughs> Literally the opposite, Ben. They're coming back in. Oh, slowly. <laughs> Started two years away and we've worked into eight months or something. All right. I suppose that's my cue to wrap these things up. Uh, very good, gentlemen. Another huge week in sport behind us and, and an even bigger one ahead of us next week. It'll obviously be a wrap-up of the Cricket World Cup and the global, the collective global sporting attention will shift to Qatar for the biggest event in sports arguably and we'll be there with a very comprehensive uh preview for everyone until then take care